WT Tyler Radio, I'm Mike Landis. When he was campaigning for the District 1 congressional seat, former Smith County Judge Nathaniel Moran promised transparency and regular updates for constituents. After four Teletown Hall events, weekly Moran Minute email updates, and regular posting on social media, he seems to be keeping his word. Congressman Moran is our guest. Welcome. Mike, it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I think in four months, this is my third opportunity to speak with you. And I appreciate the fact that you mentioned all those venues of communication that we're trying to push out to the folks to let them know what we're doing on their behalf in East Texas and how we're working, because that's what they sent me there to do is to work, to be transparent so they can hold me accountable to make sure that I'm voting the way that I need to vote for East Texas. Let's talk about your most recent piece of successful legislation, H.R. 734, the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Was that a hard sell across party lines? No, it was not a hard sell on the Republican side, and and I'm confused by why the Democrats simply would not uh, support this. There was so much work done before Title IX to make sure that our girls and our women got equal opportunity in sports and got fair treatment in sports. And now it seemingly, I, I don't understand the logic behind trying to break down those lines and now return men into the sporting venues where women are. It simply doesn't make any sense to me. Regardless of where you stand on a number of issues as it relates to gender, that particular issue doesn't make sense. And so we're all we're doing is undoing those protections we gave to women in Title IX. And so this vote was to restore that protection to women and girls in sports. You recently posted a list of what you consider as wins in the first 100 days of this congressional session. Can you pick a few to highlight for us? Yeah. You know, in just the, the first 100 days, our congressional delegation on the Republican side has passed more legislation that actually got signed into law by a Democratic president than the Democratic House of Representatives did in the prior 117th Congress. That says a lot about what we're trying to actually do this congressional session. We're not trying to be divisive, but we are trying to pass good laws that make good sense that then the Democrats and the Senate will support and the president will sign into law. We've proven that that would actually be the case very happy to see now through committee work, through regular order, a number of bills that are starting to come to the floor, and you'll see some more come in the next month, including huge border security package out of the judiciary and out of Homeland Security. We're getting to see what we just passed last week, the the Limit, Save, and Grow Act, which is responsibly dealing with the debt ceiling crisis, but also reining in spending with good policies going forward to say, we need to bring this government spending under control. It's driving the inflation. We need to bring that down. When we spoke earlier this year, we talked about China and Taiwan. And since that time, you got a chance to visit that area, get a firsthand look at the situation. Tell us about your impressions. This trip was a really unique opportunity for me to be able to go look those leaders in the face in Taiwan, in Japan, and in Korea, and determine what kind of alliances and partnerships do we have, and where are the gaps, and what can we do legislatively to start to build those diplomatic ties, our economic ties, and to strengthen our military readiness so that we can deter aggression from China towards Taiwan. Effectively, that was the mission that we were on. I was one of uh, two freshmen that were on the trip, and out of 74 freshmen, I felt privileged to be able to do that, part of the Foreign Affairs Committee, so it really made sense for me to go. What I learned was we've got defense industrial base problems here in, in America that we need to correct. We need to be able to be ready for 
uh, military conflict so that we avoid a military conflict. That's what we want. We want peace. We want stability. We want prosperity in that region. We need to be able to do that by showing that we have the military muscle if and when necessary. That's one thing that I learned. The second is we need to build those economic ties with Korea and Japan in particular. They're desperate for LNG. They're desperate for economic ties here in, in the United States. They're getting sucked into the economic uh, black hole of China, and they're becoming more and more beholden to China because of uh, energy, because of semiconductors, because of so many other areas of their lives. We need to break them free from Chinese influence. We need to have more American influence on them in the region. There was a concern put forth yet again about a war with China. Do you get any sense of that at all when you were there? There is... A uh, very, very deep concern in Taiwan about a military invasion. I, I don't think we're right on the eminent uh, precipice of that. I think what you're going to see is over the next year, a lot of political influence by China to try to persuade the Taiwanese to elect a pro-China government next year in their elections. If that happens, you may see uh, Taiwan go the same direction that Hong Kong went. And if China is able to accomplish it in a political matter, then they've won without a, a military conflict. If that doesn't happen, we get a pro-American government in Taiwan next year, which we're hoping. I'm afraid what we're going to see from China is a naval blockade in the Strait of Taiwan. That Strait of Taiwan, more than half of all the goods and goods that we receive here in America go through that Strait of Taiwan, that's a problem. We, we need to make sure that we retain naval control of that, uh, of that strait. If that blockade doesn't work in the 2024, 2025 early time period, then that may be when you see more military action by China. But I don't think they're going to do that if America will stand strong now and flex its muscle now and let them know, hey, we're prepared and ready if, in fact, you decide to do that. I think that'll make China stand down. I didn't see you bring your crystal ball into the studio, uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Are you concerned about a divided convention in 2024 with Trump loyalists and whomever has the audacity to run against him for the nomination? Or will the dust be somewhat settled by July of 2024? I think by, by July of 2024, the dust will be settled. That's my hope. Of course, I don't have a crystal ball. And certainly anybody that says they, they know what, what's going to happen by July 2024 uh, is just guessing. That's all they're doing. But what we really want to see over the next 12 to 14 months is healthy debate internally in the Republican Party, just like you want to see on the on the Democratic side. And then you want to see healthy political debate between the two parties, both Republicans and Democrats, because that's what makes America great. When we can converse in a very civil manner and talk about issues on a high level and say, this is what I think is best for America in the future. If we can do that very civilly, then I think we can come to a consensus of where we agree and where we disagree and then let the chips fall where they may. It's when the uncivility gets in the middle of all this, that's when we start seeing the disruption that we don't want to see in America, the division that we don't want to see in America. Because at the end of the day, we're all Americans and America is the greatest place on earth. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? It's a pleasure to be here with you, Mike, and always a pleasure to continue to serve East Texans. Our goal and our mission continually, as you mentioned earlier, is to be transparent about what we're doing, to make sure to have those conversations, to be out in the field all the time that we're here in the district, which is what we've been doing today and we're going to continue to do, and then to make the best decisions we can with the information we have when it comes time to vote. Because at the end of the day, my vote cast is not my vote, but it's the vote for all 767,000 East Texans that sent me to Washington, D.C. 
Our guest has been Congressman Nathaniel Moran of Texas First District. To hear this interview again or to share it, go to kvut.org. For UT Tyler Radio, I'm Mike Landis.